I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast that helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Bonus edition. <laughs> I was trying to decide if I was going to chime in. <laughs> yeah. I also feel like that last, I think it was the last time that I kind of forgot, right? Yes. One time recently yes. and you picked it up. So I was trying to, I, what I thought you were thinking was that I was going to forget to do yeah, it. Yes. So I was trying to, to snag it, get in there. <laughs> Okay, before we get into our Q&R portion of today's episode, okay. I want to do a disclaimer about our sugar episode. Okay. So a few people wrote in with some concerns that maybe if you didn't listen to the whole episode that you might walk away with a misunderstanding about sugar. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone else had a few other concerns. And so I just want to, before we get into the meat of today's episode, I want to just put a little disclaimer out. Because we never want to give people the wrong impression or miscommunicate science. Our aim, my goal in life really, (laughs) is always about communicating the most accurate information that I can. And so I just really want to say a few things about that episode, about the sugar episode, before we get into it. So first, please, please, please always listen to the whole episode before you're making judgment calls that impact your everyday life. Because if you listen to maybe the first half of the episode, you could walk away with just the message that sugar isn't bad, when really that's not the full message of the episode. And also, second, we primarily in this episode were aiming to cover the difference between high fructose corn syrup and table sugar. The other bonus facts that I gave were not intended to cover the full depths of how the human body processes sugar. There is so much to cover there. There's so much to talk about with insulin and metabolic processes. I don't even really feel qualified to discuss that. So what I was sharing was what I learned from a reputable source that I found interesting, but we are not medical professionals and we do not want you to take this advice over the advice of your healthcare professional, especially for those with some kind of diabetes or insulin resistance. And then three, when I stated that sugar wasn't bad for you, I really was specifically talking about glucose, which gives power energy to our cells. And you can get glucose, which is classified as a sugar, according to science, from a number of sources that aren't table sugar. So that doesn't mean you need to go out and eat table sugar or high fructose corn syrup. Please don't use what I said as a license to eat all the sugar you want because that's dangerous. (laughs) Consult with your medical professional and know that you can get glucose from fruits. I think even from veggies, there are a number of sources you can get glucose from that is not table sugar. And fourth, thank you guys so much for reaching out to us and sharing that you had concerns about this episode, specifically Lan, Howard, and Sam. We want to give accurate information And if you ever find anything in this episode or any episode to be inaccurate, write into us and we will correct this information as soon as we can confirm what you're saying with peer-reviewed journal articles, because we are doing the best we can with the information we have and we need y'all's help to stay accurate on top of things. So I just wanted to share that with you guys and I hope that clears some things up. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. That's really helpful. Yes. And thank you guys for writing in and, and, um, telling us your concerns and whatnot, like Melissa already said, but thanks for clearing that up, Melissa. Cause for me too, that's helpful to have that distinction yes. as just a lay person, um, and whatnot. So I appreciate that too. Um, but thanks for doing that. 
Yeah, no problem. And I'm really thankful to have people writing in and pointing these things out because, you know, we're making so many episodes and there's so much content and I can think, oh, this will be a great way to set up this episode where we talk about these unexpected things about sugar. And then at the end, talk about the things that aren't great about it. Right, right. But I can see how if you don't have a chance to finish that episode, how that could have come across poorly. Right. And the idea of talking about something in a vacuum, like just talking about the difference between table sugar and high fructose corn syrup. Right. But we all deal with sugar every day. And so it's kind of tough to put aside our daily how we interact with sugar and just think about these differences as an interesting topic Yes, and not be like, oh yeah, but don't take this as like, here, now change everything about what you do in your real life about sugar, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that that was really, really helpful feedback. And of course, you know, maybe one day I can learn a little bit more about insulin and those metabolic processes and we can talk more about it. But for now, that wasn't the goal. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, awesome. Are you ready to get into the questions for this episode? I am ready. Okay, excellent. So the first question is from Megan M. And she asks, how does weed killer work? Meaning, how does it not hurt your other plants? I guess like maybe she's talking about grass. Yes, that's what I think. So I didn't actually find a solid answer for this about grass. There was one thing that just Google said basically that grass has a different type of enzyme. So some weed killer doesn't target it Mm, as mm -hmm. it would weeds, but a more interesting answer I found, I almost wrote an episode on this, but I decided against it. Uh So I normally don't do research for these Q and R's, but this was so interesting. Yeah. So apparently some weed killers like Roundup kill everything. Uh So the manufacturers have engineered plants that are immune to this weed killer So you can kill anything except the seeds that you've planted that are going to be resistant to weed killer. Got it. So it has to be that perfect combo though. It's got to be the right grass that was, or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. that was engineered to not be. Yes. Okay. I saw that mostly on food crops is what it seemed like. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So cool. And this is not like hard science, but I just know from experience that some fertilizers or weed killers or whatever. Right. They work by also having the nutrients that your grass specifically wants. Oh yeah. And so it's sort of like not always just like trying to destroy one thing, but it's like, let's feed this other thing mm, and, and let it take over. Yeah. Cause I remember being confused at one point and, uh, one of the, a guy I talked to was trying to help me figure out which fertilizer to get kind of said, Oh, it's not all, trying to kill stuff. It's also just trying to make one thing be really strong and fortified and get what it needs. So I don't know when is when one thing is what, but I think some of the time that's the case. It's like right. not just trying to kill something, but also feed something. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. That's a great question. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, absolutely. This next question is from Brian M. And he asks, how is water capable of rinsing most things clean? Okay, so Brian, we actually did, he also asked about soap and how soap works. And we have two episodes on that. Mm -hmm. So definitely go check those out. But in this case, water, I think, works, but to rinse most things clean because most things have some amount of polarity to them. Mm -hmm. So what that means is if you have, Jam actually answered this question on our 100th episode quiz. Oh, yeah, that's right. If you have a bond, normally what that means is two atoms are evenly sharing electrons. 
But sometimes one atom has a stronger ability to pull electron towards itself and it makes sort of a partial positive on one side and a partial negative on the other. Mm-hmm. Sort of like when you have a magnet. And you know, if a magnet comes against another thing that's like it, they'll stick together. Mm-hmm. Molecules are similar. If you have a polar molecule, it can go and interact with another polar molecule very easily. And it will then water, polar, finds another polar molecule, boom, washes it away. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't work on oil because oil is nonpolar. Yeah. So it doesn't have any positive or negative for the water to latch onto. It's just all neutral. So it sort of repels water. And that's why you see oil sitting on top of water. Mm-hmm. Now, if you really want to know about how soap works, you got to go check out episode one of the podcast. And then we also did an episode on how soap kills COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But that was a fun question. Thanks, Brian. And those are some cool episodes. So Those are some cool episodes. Some of my faves. Gosh, they were so long ago. Yeah, seriously. Because we're about to be, we just had our two-year anniversary of mm-hmm. doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it kind of flew by and we didn't really realize it, but yep. Yeah, because August is when we started. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. This next question is from Clarissa. And she asks... Do you have any tips for high school seniors going into university intending to major in chemistry? Well, I don't know if I have any tips for chemistry specifically. I guess things that helped me out was trying to get into a research lab early that I had the opportunity to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but general advice for succeeding in university is make friends. Mm-hmm. I think that that networking is a huge part of getting a job. Even just like having friends to point you in the right direction or to look over your resume Mm -hmm. and getting enough sleep. I didn't get enough sleep in college. Did you? Nope. Not at all. Nope. And I regret it. Yeah. I I think I could have been more successful in my classes if I had slept more. I sacrificed sleep instead of like other things that make more sense to sacrifice. Like, you know, TV and whatever else. Yes. Watched a lot of TV instead of doing homework. (laughs) Yeah. And then also study well. So not always just copying your notes, but doing practice problems, making sure you understand what the professor said. If you study little by little, you actually research shows that a little bit of studying every day is going to imprint something in your mind better because you're repeatedly interrupting the forgetting process. Mm. And also, then you're going to be more prepared when your test comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those are some of my big advice for succeeding. Oh, and talking to your professors a lot. Mm. Do you have any advice for succeeding in university? I feel like we've touched on this before, but and maybe my answer then was better. <laughs> but uh, I think getting good at time management is yeah. like one of the biggest things. And it's hard for it's harder for some people. I will just say like some of us are already good at it. And some of us are not. I'm not. But I think it makes a huge difference just getting good at using a calendar and blocking off time for rest, but also blocking off time to really study and do what you're saying on a regular basis instead of just waiting and cramming later. Yeah. Um, And putting in time for yeah all kinds of things. I think just managing your time well goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Definitely making good friends and figuring out good ways to meet people and, and stuff, even if it's not specific to your class to say like a social group or something like that that you could get involved in 
Yeah, a great example of that is Jam and I met in a college ministry. It was for our church group. Yeah. And that's how we became friends. And even though that was not about networking, then later we were able to connect and create this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So if we had just spent all of our university time worrying only about school and not making friends. Yeah then we wouldn't have this podcast right now. So that's a big thing is doing other stuff besides don't just hone in on only class all the time. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And some of the classes I enjoyed the most and even maybe did did the best in are ones where I was able to get with some classmates and have a study group or something like that. It didn't feel like I was kind of just going it alone in those classes. Yeah. And I found that most of the time people also want to do that. So you might be in a class, you go in and you don't know anybody depending on what, like size of university you go to and stuff, you might be kind of thinking, okay, nobody probably wants to study with me. I would almost guarantee you're wrong. Yeah, um, I think I could, used to, on the first day of class, just sit in the front row because that's where the engaged students at and yeah. ask, does anyone want to start a study group? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then think about it. You could be kind of like a study group like in the show community, which is pretty cool. <laughs> they weren't really a good example of good students, but they became friends. That's true. Mm-hmm. And class is a lot better to go to when you have friends. And then if you don't feel good and you have to skip, yep. they can help cover for you. Definitely. Definitely. I yeah. think those are my big pieces of advice. I'm trying to think as a high school senior, enjoy your senior year. Oh, yeah. Enjoy the summer between senior year and high school. Take a break. Do fun stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think there's a lot to do on the preparing end other than applying to schools and getting in. I also recommend going to a school where you'll have the least amount of student loans. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, true, true. That made my life a lot better later on, even though I got into quote unquote more prestigious schools Mm -hmm. that I didn't go to. Not having debt, ooh, has helped me out in the long run. Totally, totally. Yeah, I forgot that, I forgot kind of about the high school senior going into university part of it. But yeah, yeah, I also feel like don't be scared. Like I remember feeling like the way that college was talked about when I was in high school was kind of scary and it made it feel like it was going to be completely different and that nothing could really prepare me for it and stuff. I don't think that's helpful. I mean, it's certainly different, but I think most of the differences are good. Yeah. Some of them are harder, but in general, it's not this really scary other world that's going to chew you up and spit you out. It's not. No, it's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I laid the foundations for, started a lot of the relationships that have turned out to be lifelong relationships in college. Yeah. Yep. I mean, lifelong, I guess I'm only 30, but (laughs) they don't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So. Yeah. Great question. Thanks for asking, Clarissa. (laughs) The next question is from Sam. If you were an element from the periodic table, which would you be and why? I had a little bit of time to think about this beforehand. And I, my instinct is to say carbon just because that's the star of the show in my world, you know? (laughs) Right. And I want to be the star of the show, but actually I was thinking about it and I think I might more accurately be oxygen. Okay. Because oxygen can sometimes do things that aren't great. Mm -hmm. It sometimes forms radicals. It can just get a little crazy. Uh It can be a little negative at times. Uh Uh-huh. But it's also always trying its best. It contributes to life-saving medicine. It's the air that we breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just, it's multifaceted like me as a human being. Nice. Good answer. So that's what I, that's what I went with. Also helps keeps our plants alive. I love plants. So. Yeah. Very good answer. It's kind of unfair you had more time to think about it. 
Yeah, and I know a lot more about the elements on the periodic table than yeah, 100%, you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so I, I actually feel like it's possibly got some slightly different version of this question before, but I can't remember exactly what I said. Um, I think the obvious choice for me, I guess, would be arsenic. <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. Because you're caustic and you ruin people's lives. <laughs> I was just kidding. I was like, what's one of those ones that's like clearly the worst choice you could possibly think? I don't think arsenic is actually caustic. That was... um. I was incorrect. Then, Can I, I pick think. like ununium or whatever? Like the ones that are just named after their number? Oh yeah. They're not, they're not discovered yet. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, people aren't ready for you. I, I think I remember my, if I was to guess, some of you guys might actually know my answer from a previous time better than, than I do. But if I know myself, I think I would have said zinc. And I think I would have said, because I remember having to do like a report on it at one point, mm, we were mm-hmm. all given an element to have to do something about. And I remember just kind of having an affinity for it because I feel like I know knew more about it. But I don't, yeah. I didn't actually remember most of that info. Yeah. I just, you know how like when you associate yourself with something, yes, that kind of link stays even if there's no real reason for it to. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of like zinc. That's a good one. I'll try to find something I can do about zinc for a future episode for you, Jim. Yes. And maybe you, oh, how about this? No, I'm not going to put on the spot. You don't have to do it right now. But maybe between now and the next Q&R or the next something, you could see if you could reverse engineer a reason that zinc is like me. <laughs> because I don't know zinc well enough to know any reason why I could say, oh, I'm like zinc. But I just picked it because... I honestly no. think you probably would be one of the more extreme elements. Zinc is just a transition metal. It's kind of chill. Uh, okay. I, you have a lot. You have too many opinions. Like probably your wife or my husband would actually be zinc. Okay. Okay. And I think you and I are more on the outer wings of the periodic table. Okay. Fair enough. Sorry. I'll take it. <laughs> what about iron? Iron's cool. It's still, I think, a transition metal, so it's just still kind of chilling. Man, okay. But it does, you know, it rests, so that's kind of cool. I feel like I have a lot of opinions, but when it comes to real, let's think about this, when it's a real effect out in the world, I'm really not a big, I'm not rocking boats in massive ways. That's true. So it's kind of like in terms of just talking and stuff like that, but when it comes to like, actual impact on the world. I'm not messing stuff up in massive ways that I'm aware of at least. (laughs) So if there's an element like that, that sort of seems opinionated, but when it comes to its actual effect is not super harmful or something, that's me. All right. I'll look into it. Something like that. I'll check it out. Okay. (laughs) The next question is actually also for you. And it's from our real life friend and friend of the show, Tori M. Yes. And she wants to know, which I think we've covered this before, but why did Jam change his name? Or why does Jam go by Jam? So Tori uh, is a good friend of mine. I've known her since, I think the first time I met her was in sixth grade. (laughs) We played saxophone together and we competed a lot for first chair in band. So Nice. Yeah. Our our friendship started off right off the bat with competition and then slowly became less and less competitive, <laughs> which is, is good. It was probably good for our friendship. Um, but Tori, that's a great question. I didn't really change my name, I guess, is the best way to answer it off the bat. Right. Yeah. Jam is my initials, which I think you know, and I think other people, um, some, of, some of our listeners probably know by now. But really the story goes that 
that's my initials. Joshua, Andrew, Miguel is what it stands for. Um, and whenever I was in school, the kind of putting those together into J.A.M. Robinson happened because of my film projects that I was doing. Yes. And Joshua Robinson is way too common of a name. If you don't believe me, just go Google it. Uh, you'll find lots of other ones that are not me. So <laughs> I started putting that on my projects and uh, on my resume and whatnot. And initially, no pun intended, it was really just <laughs> as a way of being my initials. <sighs> and then it, it later I was like, oh, actually isn't, is you can say it instead of like J.R.R. Tolkien. You yes. can actually say jam. You don't have to just say J.A.M. Robinson. Yep. So that's it. And when, I, when you say J.A.M. Robinson, it does sound like I'm just putting a professional name out there. But if you say J.A.M. Robinson, it sounds like it's a different name, I guess. Yeah. But the biggest reason also that it even stuck around is because uh, I like it more than the name Josh, but tons of people call me Josh. Mm-hmm. So it's not really changed, but professionally in lots of instances where someone's interacting with me is strictly professional from the get-go. They know me as Jam or J-A-M Robinson from the very beginning. So just to confirm this story, I typed in Joshua Robinson and there's a bunch of people who are not Jam. And then I typed in Jam Robinson and his professional website was the first thing that appeared. Yeah. Being easy to discover is, is a huge benefit. And I freelanced for a while too, which you guys know about. And so I still do some of that. And it's very, very nice to be easy to find. Yep. And be the only one. So that is why jam is a thing. And some people call me that if they're brave enough uh, out in the real world here in <laughs> little Denton, Texas. And some people call me Josh. Some people call Joshua. Some people call me, hey, you. you know. <laughs> I think I go back and forth pretty fluidly between depending on our setting. I will switch Mm -hmm. yeah i think from the beginning we put it on this too because most of my stuff out there that i have my name on that's a project is under the name jam so it was like to me it was like uh an easy choice no brainer yeah good question tori and sorry to trip you up Uh, the one of the best answers i can give you is also you don't have to call me anything different tori (laughs) you're grandfathered in dude don't worry grandfathered (laughs) in okay mia s asked what is your favorite chemistry fact Okay. I feel like you, you've got to go first. You know that all the chemistry facts. I do. It's really similar to Melanie's question about your favorite chemical phenomenon. Oh, okay. So let's put these two together. Okay. Okay. So listen, I think my favorite chemistry fact is probably, you know, the atoms are here because of the sun, which is crazy. (laughs) There's like, fission happening in the sun and the big bang put a bunch of energy out and combined a bunch of atoms to make new atoms. And that's really cool and crazy. Uh I love so much about chemistry. The periodic table is amazing. Mm -hmm. Just the way it's arranged. If you eat too much silver, you turn blue. That's really cool. Yeah, that's crazy. So, but I think my, probably my favorite chemistry fact is that everything is chemicals. Like everything is at its base, made mm-hmm. up of atoms. Yeah. And 
not all chemicals are bad. We are chemical soup in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably my favorite or the one that I want to spew most often is not all chemicals are bad. Not all chemicals are bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite chemistry fact. My favorite chemical phenomenon is probably the formation of crystalline substances uh-huh. because they're beautiful. They make snow. They make chocolate. They make diamonds. It's just, they make beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such different applications. Yeah. So what about you? So I don't know if I have two answers because these are similar. That is similar. Most of my chemistry knowledge in at least, especially the past, the most in-depth is from this podcast. Yep. So one of the episodes of a podcast that I shout out to people and recommend all the time is the one about why onions make you cry. Oh my gosh, such a good one. I love that one. And I recommend it all the time and I've listened to it multiple times when I kind of forget some of the details, which is kind of weird because then I'm listening to myself, which I don't love. But (laughs) either way, um, that is one of my favorites. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I would definitely recommend go checking it out. Yes. Also, I love the one about caffeine. I knew some of that Mm, before we went in, but there's just, I just, yeah, it was really cool. So that those are two really interesting chemistry things that I think about a lot since we've talked about them on the podcast. Yeah. Those are two good ones. Yeah. I think one of my favorite phenomenons is how if you learn chemistry good enough, you can turn anything into gold. <laughs> like that's one of the things that was so cool about becoming Melissa's that's friend. Not real. JK, that's alchemy, which was like one of the things it's that, how chemistry started. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I remember learning about that in one of my chemistry classes that it was like, yeah, first people were trying to do stuff that you can't really do, but then they ended up figuring out cool stuff that you can do. One of my least favorite chemistry facts is probably that recycling isn't really, it doesn't happen to the extent that we think it does. That plastic series literally changed my life forever. Yeah. 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 True that. Good questions, Mia and Melanie. Yes. Thanks you guys. Okay. This next one is from Renee. And she asks, how does someone make money from a podcast? And are y'all making money yet? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Renee. Sorry, Renee. We're not making money yet. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to answer this one, Jam? Yes. So we are not making money yet. But I'll answer that second part first. We're not making money yet. We are, thank you to our Ko-Fi supporters, which we'll talk more about those guys later. Yes. We are pretty well covering the costs of what it what it costs to even have this podcast going yes i feel like people don't know that podcast costs money mm -hmm. you have to pay a host website to put it out there yes yeah there's different hosting platforms they cost different things different benefits to them all there are some free ones but they have a lot of downsides and so we have one that covers all the bandwidth of all you guys listening in all kinds of countries all over the world on all kinds of different apps. To that, to us, that was really worth it to make sure that that Definitely. was the case. And so we cover those costs somewhat well now for the most part, or at least we have lately. But how someone makes money from podcasts in a general sense, usually it'd be advertisers. Um, that's the most common thing. And we have actually gotten some support from advertisers as well in the past. Um, and that's, I think the, the biggest way people, people do these days. The other way would just be if they were part of a, say podcasting network that was sort of underwriting the entire production of the show and paying the people who are working on it and whatnot. And if it was, 
if it was getting that podcast company or whatever it is, production company, enough attention that it's worth it to them to pay for it. And so it wouldn't really be about selling other products on the podcast, but maybe getting um, that company some good recognition and attention. Or it's part of like a, a, there's some exclusive podcasts now that are only on certain apps that you have to get on or pay for or whatever. So there's there's a billion ways. Lots of money is that you could make money from podcasting, but we we pretty much have only made money from our Ko-Fi and from our merch and a little bit from advertising mm-hmm. that has covered our costs. But we, Jim and I aren't paid for the time that we put into this. Yeah. This is a purely labor of love. Yes. Yeah. So I guess when you say, when I say we're covering the costs, we're covering the cost of things we currently have to pay for, but we have not yet reached a point at all where we're covering the cost of Melissa and I, our time. So yes. eventually with that would, could be cool to, to happen. We'd love for that to be the case, but um, we also love doing this either way and love that you guys love to listen to it. So it's still worth it. It is so worth it. It's really fun to hear from you guys and to know how excited people are about chemistry. It's really such, such a dream. It, yeah. I say that all the time, but this is really my dream. Yeah. So. And there's another good question from Renee that I really like. She asks, what's one thing that each of you have accomplished from your bucket list? So starting this podcast was one for me. Nice. I had always wanted to start a podcast, especially about chemistry. So this is one. And I traveled to Europe with my mom. So that was pretty cool. I don't really have a bucket list. Yeah, I don't have a formal one either. But I I feel like she's using it in a way that people kind of mentally have one sort of. Yes. But same. I don't... I don't have a formal bucket list, but those are good ones that you've done already. Yeah, they're pretty, I'm, I feel pretty lucky. My, one of my big things that was on sort of both me and my wife and our bucket list together was to go to New Zealand. Oh yeah. Which has happened since this podcast started. Some of you guys already know about that, but we really wanted to go before we had a kid, which we did just in time sort of. And we went to New Zealand just like, two months before COVID hit. And so it's kind of perfect timing. Um, but that was a huge one for us. We got to go there, be there for three weeks, camper van around both islands of both of the main islands of New Zealand. And that was so great. That was awesome. So, uh, I don't know what else would be on my sort of informal bucket list, but that's one that I've definitely done. So I wondered if that was going to be the one <laughs> you're going to share. Does having a kid, was that on your bucket list? I guess what's funny is that like, it makes total sense for that to be on a bucket list. But I feel like a lot of times we put these kind of spectacular, yeah, go here, do this thing. But certainly if I had to make a real legitimate formal list of things I wanted to do before I died, having a kid would absolutely be one. Yeah. I wondered about technically I don't know if getting married was on my bucket list, but if I was going to get married, having a really fun wedding was on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I accomplished that too. Yeah, yeah. Surely getting my PhD is on my informal bucket list and I feel that I've made a lot of progress towards that yeah. particular situation. Yeah. Well, I think that's everything we have. Thanks to our Ko-Fi supporters for helping literally my dream come true (laughs) for helping us cross this thing off of our bucket list that I get to teach chemistry to so many people around the world is incredible. And actually 
one of our Ko-Fi supporters, Julianne, wrote a really nice message. She said that her coworker told her about our podcast. She started listening to it on a 12-hour drive, and now she loves it. And she's teaching other people what she learns from the show. Nice. And that made me so happy to hear because I just want people to love chemistry and be excited about it. And now Julianne is turning around teaching other people science. That's awesome. So that's very exciting. So thanks, Julianne, for supporting us. And also thank you to our other Ko-Fi supporters, Jacob T, Hunter R, Christina G, Chelsea B, and Stephen B. Those guys give some amount every month mm-hmm. to help cover the cost of our podcast. Yes. That's super helpful. We don't have to worry about the next time we're going to get an advertiser as much or when someone's going to randomly come give on our Ko-Fi or the next time we're doing merch or whatever. Those are still things that we'll do, but it's it's been so helpful to have you guys have a consistent yes. amount of support. And if you want to join that team of people that we shout out every month and help do some kind of fun things that we have planned for the future, uh, you can join our Ko-Fi support team and go give some amount, any amount, every month on our Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash chem for your life. We'd love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys so much to those who are already giving or who give one one offs. We just really it's such a relief to know that our renewal is coming up and we already can pay the down payment for this year to keep our podcast afloat. And it's because of you guys. Yes, absolutely. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. And we'd like to give a special thanks to E. Robinson, who reviewed this episode.